Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that we're in the house of the Lord. Thank you that we're gathered with your people. We know that you are our inspiration. We know that your work in our lives is nothing short of miraculous and powerful. We pray, Lord, that you would remove from us everything the devil is doing in our lives to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And that you who came to give us life and life in abundance would minister to us today. That we might grow up in these things to the fullness of the stature and the measure of maturity. Uh, No longer being immature and tossed to and fro and missing the target and being distracted. We pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path, a good seed planted in a good heart that brings forth good fruit. We pray that your word, Lord, would be a double-edged sword and that would cut to the depth of our being. We pray, Father, that we would aspire to the highest and the most noblest of your calling for our lives, that we might shine bright as light of this world. And, Father, that your word would not return void, but that it would perform that which you send it out for. We give you thanks for what you've been speaking to us in the previous weeks, Lord, and the times we've gathered as we, you're bringing us to the fullness of maturity and purpose. And be glorified. And we praise your name, anoint your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Um, For years, uh, there is a tendency for the church to grow up babies. And so a lot of people um, want to continue in a perpetual uh, kindergarten as it it pertains to the house of God. And in fact, um, there was a time... Uh, where we were part of a church, and they would have, right after the song service and right after the announcements, they would pass the plates, and they would gather money, uh, the offerings, the tithe from the people, and they would do it in such a juvenile way that it felt like you were in kindergarten and you're about to take your nap. Is everybody ready? Is everybody happy? Okay, pull out your wallet. And I was like, I don't think that the church needs to speak to men and women in an infantile way. It's almost, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. And everybody wants that, that level of participation at church. But I was talking to somebody this morning. I said there's a big difference between learning your numbers and your colors and doing algebra and calculus and physics and chemistry. And yes, there are people here today that don't have an idea what a Christian is all about. But there are people here that should have doctor's degrees already. They should have already their their deep-seated uh, character in the things of God, worthy to be followed an example. Um, I, I want to say that the great, I was telling my uncle is up there in Washington, D.C., and he sent me pictures yesterday. He's at the Bible Museum, and they have this entire exhibit to Billy Graham, and he's there with an open Bible. It's a Bible museum, and, and they're, they're, they're honoring men of God. And, and I, was telling my, I was telling my uncle yesterday when he sent me that picture, I thank God that God honors his servants. I really do. 
I really think it's, it's incredible that if a man were to live for God, he's worthy to be honored. I believe if a woman has lived a life that is virtuous and she's a servant of the Lord, she needs to be adorned with the merit of honor. And so I want to just tell you for a second, that servant of the Lord I was talking about was not Billy Graham. It was you. It was you. You are the servants of the Lord. You are the ones that have to stand up in our generation, and I, I'm not in your workplace I'm, I'm not amongst your neighbors. I'm not amongst your family. You are the servant of God that everybody knows in your surrounding. And I believe that there's great honor in being that person. This was a Christian church. Amens would be off the wall. But that's fine. Listen to me. What I'm trying to say is the reason why we don't have that level of prominence is because we're still in the kiddie pool. We're, we still have babies that are throwing tantrums, and that was never God's mindset. He, he had brought, and I want to just suggest to you that, that the disciples spent three years with Jesus. How many years have you been walking with the Lord? And you still are acting like the multitude. You're still wanting fish and bread, and when there's no fish and bread, you're not following the Lord because it's all about you. And it's not losing your life in maturity. So I have the responsibility, and I, I think that it's, it's, a it's a tremendous responsibility. I need to present a mature church to the Lord. Amen. People that are doing incredible, world-changing uh, aspects uh, across the board, every conversation needs to be a spiritual battle fought and not a, a spiritual tantrum from immature people. So... Um, today, it might be, I, I can't say this with a straight face with respect to more intense than before because it seems like every time we're here, it's intense. Last week, when the Lord spoke to us, the difference between having a slave mindset or being a servant, it was a challenge. We couldn't sit on the fence. And, and I've had people that called me even yesterday and said, Pastor, thank you for last Sunday's word because now I have a different approach to life. And now I'm a servant wherever I'm at because I'm going to be a Joseph. I'm going to be number two in Egypt. I'm going to be known as a servant. I'm not going to be throwing a tantrum as a slave. I'm not running from anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm being intentional. He used that word. He says, Pastor, what's that word that you use a lot? Being intentional. He says, I'm being intentional in the workplace to be a servant. And that's taking me to high ground. Because when people ask me for something, I'm not like, hey, I'm, I'm not backing. I'm throwing myself into it to be known as a servant. Because if you're a servant, you're the greatest. And listen to me. If that sermon last week was just for one person, it was worth it. I know it was for all of us. And then Wednesday service was powerful with the Lord's Supper. And the Lord spoke to us tremendously about being washed by the blood of the Lamb. We, we were singing, what can make my... What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of the Lamb. That we have provision there to sit there and wipe out all these things that are weighing us down and causing us to grow like weary in our walk when we're, when we're walking with unforgiven sin. Some, some gentleman ran up to the pastor and says, Pastor, I want to confess. 
and, and he said, blah, he just confessed everything, and he went out delivered and with victory. That was a glorious night. It was powerful what God is doing in our midst, and if you are just disgruntled, you don't see anything because it's an unresolved conflict you have in your heart. It's not about anybody. The devil has, has stabbed you with, with one of those darts that is infecting you. And so it's powerful today that we talk about the maturity to be able to enter in. And I, I really believe that if we enter into a land that flows with milk and honey, it's an existence that's available in Christ for the believer. What does that mean? We'll, we'll read the Old Testament invitation, Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. This is the Old Testament shadow and type without Calvary, without the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This was just a provisional type and a shadow. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. This is Old Testament natural existence. God is in the heavens. He looks down at his people being enslaved by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And he says, I've come down, seen to rescue you from the Egyptians, and not only to rescue you from what's bad, but to bring them up of that land into a good and spacious land. I, I want you to do your most to try to define what it would mean for you to be in a good and roomy existence. A spacious land, a land that flows the spring of milk and honey. It's, it's presently the home of a lot of people that are sitting, they're squatters. They're ruining your ability to be in that land. And so what does this mean now in not the Passover lamb of Egypt, but the lamb of God at Calvary, Jesus Christ? What does it mean that he died on the cross to usher you from a rescue? I'm living a dream personally. The peace, the joy, the satisfaction of fruit of seeing that what God promised, God fulfilled. And the expectation of what I'm still waiting for is coming to pass because God's not a liar. And I'm pursuing those things because I've made my life purposeful not to be distracted. The devil wants to pull out carrots, you know, and, and he'll, he'll, he'll lead you astray. He wants to pull out distractions. He wants to, to whisper in your ear. And so I've, I've spent years telling the devil, Cállate, I don't want to hear you. You're, you're, I'm not tuned in to you. Now, I had a lady um, this week I was talking to, and she says, you know, my mom, before she died, she started listening to a lot of voices. She, she went crazy. She was saying she, she hears stuff. She said there was a sniper outside that was wanting to shoot her while she was in the inside. She was hiding behind columns. I said, listen to me. That world exists. There's a spiritual world. And so I have a question for you. Who's, who are you listening to? Because depending on who you listen to, you're going to find yourself in a desert or you're going to find yourself in a land that flows with milk and honey. 
There's going to be fruitfulness. You choose who you listen to, but don't, don't get mad because some people are living in land that's vast and honeyful and full of milk, and you're living in a dry and desert wilderness because the Bible says that a rebel will dwell in a dry land. So the issues are across the board. And, and you have to, this week, I've gotten the most amount of emails from all over the universe directed at wanting to vent on me for their issues. I have nothing to do with the issues. I have nothing to do. I'm, I'm like, where's, it used to be up there. We had a big speaker at the front. I used to point at it. See that speaker? That's me. See, that? there it is right there. It's hanging right here. If you're getting mad at the speaker because that's where the voice is coming, that's your problem, mister. I'm just a voice. I, I happen to be the voice that God is using this morning to speak to the multitude. So if you're getting mad at me, if you're getting angry, if you have emotions, you, you can as well as spit on that on your way out. Spit on that speaker and get mad and throw a piece of paper at it. Not at me because I might, I might retaliate. But I'm just a voice, and, and I happen to be bringing the word of God that's calling you to more maturity. And people don't like that because the people love to, to fantasize and, and go and live in something that's a lie. I, I was talking to my children this week. I said, look, I, I really get upset when I see you guys playing video games. Why? Because video games are fake. Video games are fake. You want to shoot somebody? I'll recruit you to the Marines right now. We'll go to the recruiter. You join the Air Force, the Marines. You, you join some sniper group and go kill somebody. He goes, no, because then they kill you. I said, absolutely. Absolutely. Don't be doing anything fake. Do it real. And so I, I have issue with fake Christianity. And we'll get into the Donald Trump rhetoric, the fake news. I, I, I have no, no problems with the fake news. I have problems with fake Christians. You know why? Because they're not in the land of milk and honey. They sit here week after week, month after month, year after year, and they still have a frown on their face, and they think it's me. Isn't that easy? Has, help them, Lord. It has nothing to do with me. Thank you, Denny. Somebody's on my side. Lord Jesus has nothing to do with me. Heavens are closed over them because the Bible says, let it not happen to you that happened to them. That they weren't walking in faith. They were walking in rebellion and unbelief and disobedience. They had issues with Moses. And Moses didn't keep them in the desert. 40 years. And we, we must be those people that have come into this land of milk and honey. So guess what, guys? Uh, verse 17, Exodus 3, 17. The first invitation is I've come down to rescue you. I've come down to fight your battles, to bring you out to the land of milk and honey. A spacious and good land. I, I like that description. So far, I'm on. I'm, I'm on that one. I, I'm, I'm called out of, 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 of tight places. Uh, you know, I, I had a real challenge whether I would bring this word or, or just let you, because last week we talked about being a servant. 
being released to, to let go and, and lay down your life freely, not because anybody forces you, but because it's your heart. You just want to serve. And the Lord says that when he sees you serving, he says there's great reward. He rewards you. And so here, there are a lot of people that are slave to their finances. Instead of them telling their money where to go, their money's telling them where it goes. I was going to bring that message. I said, no, let, let me just press on into maturity here. Let's, let's tell the people that there is a land that they haven't come into because they're not walking in maturity. So he says, I have promised to bring you up out of your misery. Listen, to live life outside of God's teaching is miserable. That's where the word miserable comes from. It's misery. It hurts. It's painful to see that you would live life like God did not intend for you to live. And since we, we don't trust God, we don't, we're not walking in faith, he says, I've promised to bring you up out of the land of misery in Egypt and out of the land of misery and into the land that flows with milk and honey. And there's enemies there. Don't think that it's not without a fight. In fact, I want to tell you that I fight every moment of every day. There's, there's a spiritual fight waging. It's intense. It's, it's incredible. But in this life of faith, if you fight the fight, you will obtain the crown of glory. There'll be a benefit to you. And, and a lot of the ways that we're living, I can't help to see somebody who takes God serious and then starts seeing the benefits in his life. How God unleashes him from debt. How God brings him into abundance. How God gives him security. How God gives him peace. How God fills him with joy. I love to see a Christian walking in his inheritance. I love to see that. It's evidence that what God has promised is real. Now, when I see somebody not walking that, I tell them, see, you didn't do what God wants you, so that's you're getting all the things that God says you would have for doing it. So that's a good thing, too. What do you mean it's a good thing? Yeah, if you didn't do what God says and you got what God said you would have, then doing what God says will promise you to obtain what God has promised. It's just automatic. And so a lot of us have to start now walking in a different mindset. Get out of misery loves company and get in focus to a land which flows with milk and honey. Deuteronomy 6.3 continues on to say, listen, didn't God say he had a land? I want to ask you this morning, is there a land which flows with milk and honey? And we have one guy that says yes. Is there a land for you that is outbursely flowing with the provisions of God's goodness towards your life? Amen. Hear Israel and be careful to obey, to line up with what God is saying so that it might go well with you and that you might increase greatly. Some of you are diminishing and everything's coming to zero. You're no better off than you were when you first started as a Christian. That, that's sad. That's sad that your life does not reflect the flourishing of... Listen, last month or, or last two months, a gentleman came to my backyard and says, Hey, Pastor, you have the white fly and I have the ingredient that will get rid of it. Oh, no, don't, please don't spray that on my trees. I really love the pest. 
I, I love the, the cloud that they form over my backyard consuming everything. Don't, don't, don't alter, don't, don't, don't subject me to anything new. I, I won't have it. Guess what I said? Come in, my friend. Spray everybody, their mother and the ducks. Because I don't want white fly anywhere in my backyard. I, I woke up this morning, I opened up, and I started looking, where the heck are the white flies? I was good and obedient to the word that came to me. And so the white flies are a historical reality. They're no longer in our backyard. So my trees, they look at me and they wave and they say, thank you, putty. Thank you that you have decided to put the pest out of my life. And so that's what he's telling us in Deuteronomy 6, verse 3. Listen. Listen, Israel. <laughs> Listen, I want to ask you a question. There's many times that God would tell, he would tell his prophets, hear, O Israel. There's like a deaf problem. Do people not hear? They come to church and they're so like resistant. They just don't want to listen. They don't want to hear. Be careful to obey that it may go well with you and that you might increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey because the Lord has promised your ancestors and promised you. I, I, one of the concerns I had with me and Yvette in our Christian walk is how could I usher in the reality of God's goodness and greatness to my children? I want to tell you they got it. They got it. They want it. They're going for it. They're, they're living that. They can't wait to, to come into the fullness of living life as God would have it. They have no resentment. They have no bitterness. They have no regret. They're not looking at the world. They're not wanting to do it another way. That, that's a blessing. And so this aspect of going into the promised land, Deuteronomy 11.9, he says it again. There is a promised land. Obey, be careful, write these things down, uh, chapter 11, verse 9. And so that you may live long in the land the Lord swore to your ancestors to give you, the, those, those forerunners in the Christian faith and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. There is no way to, to obtain what God has promised when you're doing it different. There's no milk and honey for you. Turn that milk upside down. Uh, the other day, they gave me a rotten coconut. They said, Pastor, you want to drink some? I drank. It was bitter. It wasn't sweet. I don't know what bitter milk tastes like because I don't have an appetite for it. I don't know what the opposite of honey is, but I, I consider it opposite of sweet. It must be super bitter. And so you'll see these Christian lives that are embittered. They, they don't have the sweetness of what flows from the presence of God. So there it is. Uh, in the New Testament, we'll cross over now. We'll, 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 we'll make application. I have a couple minutes here to make application. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1. If in the Old Testament there was a land flowing with milk and honey, an expression of open heavens towards you to inherit the fruitfulness of God, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and various ways. 
I've been preaching this gospel for 20 years in this church. I have never, never, never brought up a new concept. I haven't, I haven't formulated a new inventory. It's the same promise that if you do it God's way, your life will reflect that glory. And we have nothing to desire in this world but God to obtain that reality. So God has spoken in the past to these people in the desert. There remains a land for you with milk and honey. Go for it. Press onward. Enter into that land. Get out of your Egyptian mindset. Many times, I I wish this was the first time that I would say something like this. I wish it was was the first way, but God has done many opportunities And in different formats, and this is one of the glorious things about God, that I'm just one component. But when God is speaking to you, everything is speaking the same thing. So sometimes I say, hey, uh, have you, I'll I'll talk to some of the pastors. I say, Pastor Kenny, have you talked to so-and-so? He goes, yeah. And this is what I told them. I go, I I can't believe you told them. I told them the same exact thing. And he goes, yeah, yeah, but Pomo had already told them the same thing I said that you said that we said. And, and God is showering us on every side with what we need. Why? He loves us. He's concerned. Totally different people from different aspects. You want to act crazy, but God has you pinned. Somebody told the pastor. Nobody told the pastor. God's been telling you forever, many times, and in many ways. So it's, it's kind of hard. And so he says in verse 2, in these last days, if anybody ever asks you, are we living in the last days, I want you to go to Hebrews 1-2 and tell them, yeah, this was written 2,000 years ago, and the Bible says it's the last days. So in the last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Jesus is speaking louder than any angel ever spoke to any man. Oh, pastor, why doesn't an angel come down from heaven and talk to me? Listen to me. Because somebody greater than an angel came down. And he came to this earth and he spoke loudly and boldly and marked the difference that split the generations before Christ and after Christ. He spoke so loud. Some people don't want, some people want to be deaf and dumb. They want to continue saying that God still has not spoken. Well, my Bible says in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. And you underline this. Please have your Bible and show people that in the last days, God has spoken to us through his son. Who is this son? The one he appointed as the heir of all things and through whom was also present when he made the universe. This is no little UPS truck. This is no Federal Express. This is the greatest messenger of God, greater than the archangel Michael and Gabriel. God sent his son to speak to you. And in these last days, the clarity of what he has spoken has to resonate in your heart. It's not a pastor, it's not a church, it's not a religion. It's the God of the universe speaking to puny little you. To to this this insignificant little ant-sized human. And God is speaking to us. 
And so this book of Hebrews is actually telling us um, the, the, the call to maturity. Again, I, I was talking to, to an 11-year-old boy, and I said, listen to me. How old are you? And he says, I'm 11. I just turned 11. I said, well, listen to me. This thing you're watching is not for you because this says mature audiences only. It requires you to raise to a different level so you could be exposed to a different thing. And, and we don't get to this place continuing on with immaturity. So the things that he's speaking to us in the book of Hebrews is powerful. It's, it's actually a highlight. If, if A lot of people hate the book of Hebrews because it's too historical. It has too many sacrifices, too many priests, too many uh, altars, uh, blood uh, sacrifice, uh, Melchizedek, the high priest. It has all this language, but all this language is for a people that are sitting there and putting away. He says, no longer wanting milk. No longer wanting milk. I was, one of my preachings to Peru about 10 years ago, I was preaching at a men's conference, and I used this term that God does not want men who still want lechita. And this little three-year-old girl was listening to her dad, listening to this message, and she started laughing. <laughs> the pastor said that men want lechita. They want milk. Pastor, don't give me anything that, that might cause indigestion because I'm, I'm used to warm milk or else I get ulcers in my stomach. And so your family never gets to see what a mature man of God, a man who's led by the Spirit of God and not by the flesh of tantrums. You're intoxicating your entire family with your tantrums. Because you refuse to take a, a posture, and this is what the book of Hebrews says, it's, it's a better name, Hebrews 1.4. Look what it says here. So he became as much superior to angels and given a name that's superior. This is, this is a higher level of play than before. He's making a contrast with the Old Testament, the New Testament. Now it's not angels. Listen, an angel appeared to all the, the forefathers. You know who appeared to you? The Holy Spirit. God himself is speaking to you, my friend. And you're waiting for an angel to show up? You want an angel to, to visit you at night so that you can make it a real experience? No, the book of Hebrews says he became superior to angels. You're having fellowship with God himself. God. And, and all that does, when people saw God, like John in the book of Revelations, he falls like a dead man. He's undone. I, Isaiah says, woe is me. Because He saw the, the throne high and lifted up. He saw God. And so we have access at a supernatural level. And if in those days he's inviting them out for an expression of spacious, good land, a territory that's, it says like this, it says, no longer tied to Egypt, to worldly thinking, worldly mindset, worldly measure. 
but now an expression of milk and honey. If you were to, if you were to research a little bit what that was like, it was is phenomenal. He says, houses you haven't built, wells you haven't dug, cattle you haven't raised, uh, olive trees, um, fruitful harvest. It's just a, a great expanse. But imagine a slave in that world. It would be horrible. It's all, it's all about me. It, they don't have a thought outside themselves. So here in the book of Hebrews, that expression of he's speaking to us, through us not through angels, but through his son. Not just, I want to, I want to highlight this. Um, I don't know if you see it. I see superior to angels, but then I also see a name we inherited, which is superior to any other name that existed. What, what, the, the Cubans like that. It's called palanca. If you know somebody at a company, you use their name. Hey, I'm cousins with her. And you use the name. We've been given the name that makes the universe quake. We've been given a superior name. We're not, absolutely, it deserves an applause. Absolutely. It says, at his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. I, I love when I, when I used to go into the prison, the, the meanest of the most wickedest of the men in prison. You talk to them about Jesus, and they become a little child in Sunday school. Because his name is powerful. His name is great. His name is glorious. It's a, it's a glorious name that you should use because it moves principalities and powers. It breaks the chains of darkness. It unleashes the treasures of heaven when you use the name of Jesus. Don't, don't think it's a little name. It's a powerful name that does great exploits, wonders, and promises fulfilled. The other day, about a month ago, two months ago, uh, Joe Patisco here at the church, um, they gave him two horses, and one of them was super rebellious. He didn't want to listen to anybody. He's done. He's an old horse. Caballo le dan sabana. You know, they put him out to the pasture. He's not going to be ridden no more. He's not going to be talked to. He's just put his hand, his head in the hay. He's not listening to him. So I went over there, and he ignored me. So when I finally got a hold of him, I said, Papito, you got to behave. You cannot have a testimony in Homestead as being the rebellious horse. And he was ignoring me until I said, because Jesus doesn't like that. He looked at me like that. I, I said the name of Jesus, and that guy was like, that's the, you're talking about the, the guy who owns everything. El dueño los caballitos. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that, that horse changed. It was transformed by the name of Jesus. And Joe Patisco says, man, that was crazy. I said, no, you just have to use the name of Jesus, and all of creation bows down. And it's a real powerful name. So that is what Hebrews is introducing us to. And we've kept in, in such a small level, people never get a greater than a Sunday school expression of who Jesus is. And so he says he's spoken us to us in the last days. And he has, is greater than the angels speaking to us. And he's been given a name greater than any angel. And then listen to this expression in verse 3. It says, this son is the radiance of God's glory. It's the actual expression of the brightness of God. And it is the exact representation of his being. 
That's, that's why it's crazy that people say, well, you know Jesus, but I really want to know the Father. I want to know. No, listen to me. Jesus is the full expression of the Godhead, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided the washing of our sins, now he sits at the right hand of the Father in majesty, and he is talking to God the Father on our behalf. When you, you jump up to those places, where are all the minuscule, small things that have consumed our heart and mind? We're not pursuing God. We're, we're floundering in the, in the mud of the mire. We're, we're like the people of Israel. There was a land to get to. It took 11 days, but they took 40 years. It took a week and a half to get there to a place God had for them. God has for you a week and a half for you to get serious. But they continued to, to harden their hearts. And that, that's what, I don't know if I have, I'm done. That book of Hebrews starts breaking this down and starts saying, we have better promises. We have better than angels. We have better covenants. We have a better high priest. We, we have something above Moses and Aaron. We have, look what it says in 6. I, I need to get there. Uh, chapter 6, verse 9. Beloved, even though we speak to you in this certain way, we're convinced of better things. So whatever your expression of what Christianity has served on the table, you have no clue, my friend. You haven't even approached the buffet table. You're, you're eating the crumbs off the ground. Sit at the Lord's table and let him serve you the things that are better. Things that accompany your salvation. It's horrible. I can't stand to see Christians that are eating from the world's plate. Why? Because what God has is better. He says he adds riches without sorrow. There's increase that brings no regret in God. These things we're trying to tell you of are better things. If you go through the book of Hebrews... You'll see um, better angels, better than angels, better name, better priest, better things, better hope, better covenant, better ministry, better prophets. It, it, it just increases the level. And, and this says like this. It says, Hebrews 6, 4, it is impossible for those who have already known a little bit about this light, who started to taste these things that the Holy Spirit is serving, verse 5, who've tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, once they grow indifferent and fall away, nothing can bring them back to repentance. They, they can't. Once you, the devil, listen to me. These people that were called out of Egypt to the land, they perished in the desert because they got entangled in a bunch of things that didn't concern the land with milk and honey. They lost focus. 
Except Joshua and Caleb says, listen, we're not going to pay attention to anything. Not even those giants you guys saw, but if God promised, he will give it to us. If God said it, it's not in vain. I'm going to go for it. But a lot of people perish. They had a different mindset. They, they, they were twisted. They were bent in their, in their thinking. So it says there, Hebrews 3, 7, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Okay, can you understand what the, God is trying to say through me, through this speaker? That there is a place for mature people that will increase the return of their pursuit. If you, if you hear his voice. But chapter 4 verse 1 says, well, if there's a promise of entering into this land that he freely offers us, since the promise of going into this land still stands, let us be careful that you don't find it. That you fall short. That you not live the expression of the fullness Christ came to give you. This, this, I know we're scratching the surface. Uh, we're first generation Christians. If, if my grandfather would have done or my great grandfather would have done, if he would have left the life, then to my dad, then to, to me, then to my children, we would have been way ahead of the eight ball. They never entered in. They did not believe. They didn't walk this thing out. They, they were out there saying that it was foolish, that it was stupid, that it wasn't going to happen. But listen to me. I believed it. I wanted it. And so my kids are living in expression. My grandkids are going to be the blessed, most powerful children on the earth. Because it will be a reality to them, not, not a religious expression. They're going to see a land that flows with milk and honey. They'll be introduced to better things. What's, what's the admonition here in verse 1? Be careful. If this, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. The most miserable Christians in the world are the ones that don't live any reality of the things of God. Because they're religious. They're doing it by appearance. Uh, I, I had John Freeman, he was honest enough to say, my Christian life before I, I got real was on Sunday, I was a, a, a real spiffy Christian. But then Monday through Friday, I was an angry man. I, I was living outside of God's reality. And so we don't need to be like that. We, we can press into this reality. And, and I want to tell you something. If the Bible in the book of Hebrews is telling us that there's better promises, there's a better high priest. I love chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, a high priest is the one that represented you. You don't have Moses and Aaron and, and his sons. You have Jesus standing before the Father offering the, listen to me, not just the lamb, not goat blood, the perfect sacrifice, a better sacrifice, a better priest, a better priesthood, a better ministry. All this to benefit you, my friend. If that doesn't stir some worship in you, something's broken. Something's wrong if it's not flowing in you. 
since we have a great high priest who went up to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly in this faith we profess to have. That's chapter 4. Chapter 5 in Hebrew says, verse 11, about this issue we have much to say. But it's hard to explain to you. We can't make it clear because you no longer try to understand. Woo. It's not the problem of the leader. It's the problem of the follower. I can't lead you to greater ground because you're tripping up in 2 plus 2. You're tripping up into basic things. I, I can't take you to further ground. You're muddling back in Egypt. You're desiring onions and garlic. I have much to say. I was telling Carlos Leon on Wednesday. I want to train up pastors. But training up pastors are people that want to lose their life. And when it says, hey, man, are you willing to, to become a pastor? No, I have to take my son to the Little League. No, I, I have to go and, and I have to go and do something else. I don't have, you can't. Jesus says, he's not willing to forsake all. is not worthy to be my disciple. Where's that fit in your schedule? Well, it's too radical. You're being legalistic, pastor. No, I'm not. I can't have any pastoral training here. Because there's no men that want to lose their lives. So I, I had a phone call coming in when I started church. Don't do this because all you're going to do is have to mess with people's problems. Well, if Jesus messed with my problems, that's the only thing I know how to do is to lose my life. He lost his. He lost his life that he might serve us all. We have much to say about these things. Can't take you out into another level of existence because you're still at the baby pool. There's a big pool with a big slide. And there's incredible expressions of reality in God that you'll never see. Because it says it there in Hebrews 5. We have much to say about these things, but it's hard to make them clear to you because you no longer want to press into. Explícamelo otra vez. I didn't understand that very well. Could you tell me again, did I hear tithing or teething? People still stuck on the simple things. God wants to break them loose with crazy provision. They can't handle it. Two plus two is still too hard for them. Verse 12. By now you ought to be teachers. You need to bring somebody up to speed to your level. You can't because you're still not a disciple. You need to be a disciple to create a disciple. You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the basic truths of God's word all over again. You need lechita and not solid food. You can't handle Yesterday, somebody was telling me, make sure you don't feed your horse too much. He might get colics, and then he'll die because it's too strong. I was like, wow, let me go find Lechita. Verse 13, anyone who lives on Lechita is still an infant because he can't be familiar with the teachings about righteousness. He can't line up his life to, to greater levels of spiritual existence. I, I don't want to have a, a kindergarten church. I, I don't want to th throw lollipops out like I do to the kids in my office. Christianity is not lollipops and merry-go-round. It's suffering. It's hardship. It's setbacks. 
He says in one expression here, he says, you have not even, I think it's Hebrews 12, verse 5, you have not even, let's go to verse 4. Your struggle trying to live for God and you still haven't spilt any blood. What's that mean? That in some places in the world, to call yourself a Christian causes you to bleed. They stone you. They beat you. And, and the writer of Hebrews says, hey, guys, if you think I'm being strong, you haven't even <laughs> shed any blood. It hasn't even cost you blood yet. And you're suffering because you have to drive five miles. Because you have to waste a half a gallon of tank of gas to get here. And he says, your struggle in this life, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. If you're offended when you haven't shed blood, imagine when it's going to cost you blood. You're going to be out of here. You're not going to be a Christian. You're going to convert to Muslim, to Mormon, to Jehovah's Witness, to anything to save your neck. But the book of Hebrews is saying, let's go up to maturity. Let's, let's, let's go to another level so that we could attain to these better things. Chapter 5 says that in verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled, being righteous, because he's still an infant. Verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are mature, who continue to train themselves to be able to know between right and wrong. They, they know how to judge. They know how to live in these things. Hebrews 7.19 says, The law made nothing perfect, but we have better hope. Because now it's not because of the law, but it's because of the Spirit. You have a higher level of, this, of the hope in God because this is the new covenant. He's going to do it in us. And you can rest. Like on Wednesday night, we left out of here super refreshed. Because we know that we go to Jesus and confess our sins and he forgives us. And this confidence of a better hope leads us to draw near to God. We want to get closer to God. Hebrews 7.22 says it's a better covenant. He's become that certain guarantee of a better covenant. More benefits. Better covenant. Better hope. Better angels. Better than priests. Hebrews 8, 6, chapter 8 says, Christ has acquired this ministry which is more excellent, superior to this. A ministry that is above with a better covenant, a mediator which is superior to the old one. The guy who stands between us and God is not the Virgin Mary, is not San Lazaro, is not Ome Yahweh, is not Yome Yahweh. All, the, all, these, all these things that men use to try to mediate between them and God is his son that gives us a new covenant with better promises. It, it, the whole book of Hebrews is if you press on in a greater, mature expression, better, 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 better. The expression is fantastic of the provisions God has. We, we can't get out of the kiddie pool. We can't get out of the customary aspect of continuing to moan and groan. Hebrews 9.11. Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come. He entered through a greater and more perfect, a greater and more perfect tabernacle. It's not just something, a tent in the desert. He 
has gone through the eternal holy place to the holy of holies to the throne of God. What's that mean? That now we could stand before the throne of God's grace, not the Ark of the Covenant, not the blood of earthly lambs, but we could, I love that verse. Let me see if I find it. Chapter 4. It says, we can come boldly before the throne of his grace and find access to God's help. Chapter 4, verse 16. The fact that he went through the holy place and the holy, let us approach God's throne where there's grace and we can have confidence to receive mercy and help whenever we're going through trouble. Let's stand this morning. I, I, I can only say that today's word is maturity so we could enter the land of milk and honey. Maturity so we could get better provisions of an expression that is going to knock the socks off this world's mindset of what Christianity is. Chapter 11 of the big book of Hebrews is the hall of faith. There's all the champions that ran before us. And so you see their stories of how they pressed forward and they got what they pressed forward to. The, all the champions of the faith are in chapter 11. And then he says in chapter 12, you want to be like them? Put your eyes on Jesus and be a real son. Suffer discipline. Suffer correction. Suffer instruction. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it doesn't bring joy. It brings sorrow. But it gives a fruit of righteousness. A harvest of glory. Be a son. He, he says in, in, in Hebrews, if you're not a son, then you are illegitimate. You're not a son. You don't look like the dad. You're not walking in that reality. Don't be like Esau, who traded his inheritance for temporal pleasure and satisfaction of a, of a bowl of lentil. He just gave it up. You could have my inheritance as a son of God, as, a, as, a, as an heir to the patriarchs. And then later on, the Bible says he wanted it back, and there was no room for it. There's no room for you. There's, there's guys getting saved now that want it bad. They want it super bad. And they're just going to run right by you, and, and they're going to leave you in their smoke. Why? Because they're not going to compromise. They're going to embrace this thing. So, so in the coming days, try to press into the book of Hebrews, which a lot of people hate. But look how rich it is. Look, look what it tells us. And if you don't understand it, read it a thousand times. And tell God to give you revelation. Show me the radiance of your splendor, O oh God. Show me what I'm missing out on. Show me why I'm not pursuing a land that flows with milk and honey. Father, thank you for the word today. Our hearts are grieved that you have so much for us and we're not able to come into our inheritance. Today we understand that there's better messenger than the angels. There's a better servant than Moses, Jesus. There's a better prophet than the prophets of old. There's better priest. There's a better high priest than Melchizedek. There's better covenant 
better promises, better things laid up for us that mature. We pray, oh God, that we not be candy corn Christians. That we not be cotton candy Christians. That we not be sugar-coated Christians. But that we would be willing to suffer, to press in, to grow and to be teachers. By now we ought to be. Exemplifying this life. Knowing the difference between milk and solid food. You say in the book of Hebrews that we're not to forsake the assembly of the saints. That we're not those who go backwards to perdition, but that we press forward to salvation. Allow us to obey our leaders, what it says in Hebrews 13, verse 17. To allow them to do what they do with joy and not with regret, for it's not beneficial to us. We pray, Father, that we might mature, that we might grow, that we might inherit, that our descendants would be greater heirs of the land that flows with milk and honey for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, and greet one another in the love of the Lord.